Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Now Kip. Has he got the legs here on Lazaridis? He's managed to whip his crossover. Oh, off the post. And forced in. Referee still. I said, listen, I'll tell you what fires me up. If you keep going on at me, I'm going to pick this chair up and I'm going to chuck it out the window. Chris Freestone on It's All Cobblers to Me. We won the game in the tunnel. It was as simple as that. You know, the game was over as soon as we lined up in the tunnel. The It's All Cobblers to Me Hall of Fame with Chris Freestone out now. Remind me never to ask Ryan Cresswell to lend me 30 quid. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! It always surprises me how a win can change the mood of a football fan and we're no different. Hello, I'm Charles and this is It's All Cobblers to Me. Danny and Neil are here with me as usual and together we'll be taking a look back at the win over Stevenage, answering more of your letters and predicting another away win over Crew Alexander. Hopefully. We start this week with the news that everyone has been talking about. Chelsea keeper Kepper refused to be taken off in the League Cup final and caused manager Sarri to lose his rag quite considerably on the touchline. Imagine we're at Wembley, boys, in the playoff final. David Cornell's refusing to be replaced by Luke Coddington before a penalty shootout. What would you be thinking about that, guys? Would, would you be mad or would you actually sort of go, no, the keeper that, that's played you know, 120 minutes deserves to stay on the pitch and, and face the penalties? Um, I'd be thinking how on earth have we made it to the playoff final with David Cornell as our number one goalkeeper. <laughs> and Luke Coddington as number two as well. Yeah, I'd be stunned that we've got it that far, so I wouldn't really care what happened. <laughs> All right then, imagine Isn't this. the answer right? you wanted, Charles? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> imagine this. Go Take yourself back to Wembley 97. Yeah. It's the last minute. John Frayne has a free kick. And he hits it straight into the wall. But instead of the referee demanding that it be retaken and therefore memories being made as they were, that's it. The referee blows the final whistle and it, and it goes to extra time. Penalties come at the end of it. And you're thinking to yourself, or Ian Atkins is there on the side thinking to himself, do you know what? Billy Turley's actually a better, <laughs> better penalty stopper than Andy Woodman. I'll bring Andy off. And the theory is not getting any on. better, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to taint John Frayne's mo- magic moment now. No, no, I'm not. I'm starting I'm not to believe this to is that. actually what happened. <laughs> it's definitely not. Let me tell you that. It's definitely not. Just because you've had a few beers. <laughs> but honestly, 
what what would you actually make of it if if we actually were were in a playoff final? Not this year, obviously, but the, that's what happens at the end. The the goalkeeper refuses to come off the pitch. How would how would you feel as a fan of that team? Do you think seeing what happened at the League Cup final the weekend happening to us? I would be perturbed. Maybe I think how I would feel. I, I, it's not. It's not right, is it? I think the the players should should respect the manager, um, and they should they should certainly, you know, if you're being substituted, you're being substituted. Um, I think, and I always used to think that bringing on a different goalkeeper just for penalties never works. But then there was that. Was it Tim Krul that Holland brought on? Yeah, it was, yeah. And it worked, didn't it? So ever since then, I've kind of been like, well, maybe it does work. I don't know. Um, Yeah, you know, you should respect the manager, right? And there's numerous times when I was playing football, albeit at a very, very, very amateur level, when I got subbed and wasn't keen on the decision, but there was never a, a thought process in my mind where I was like, right, I'm not going to go off. I'm going to stay on here. I, I just can't really understand it. And I think it was odd, wasn't it? Because Chelsea originally tried to dress it up as a bit of a misunderstanding. And then when Chelsea played Spurs uh, on Wednesday night, they started Willy Caballero, didn't they? And um, mm. and Sarri actually said... Definitely don't want to go pulling Willy off, do you? But then Chelsea then said, didn't he? Sarri said, didn't he? That it was... Um, that Kepa made a mistake and... and caused an issue so he kind of contradicted their original plan of trying to say it was just a misunderstanding when clearly it wasn't so um, I think I'd be pretty annoyed with the player that wouldn't come off um, difficult to say I guess until it was to ever happen but I I think my my anger or my disappointment would be, would be pointed towards the player that refused to come off There's an element of not respecting the manager and there's an element of not respecting the teammates as well isn't there because you, you kind of as soon as he did it, you could see the players sort of trying to gather around him. They didn't know what to do. You could see there's tension before the penalty shootout and it's just throwing the whole squad off. And whether they score the penalties or not, there's got to be something that affects them when they're in, on the walk-up to the shootout or gathered in a hurdle and stuff. There's something about respecting your teammates as well, isn't there, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me... Kepper had to then go and make some saves in that shootout, which inevitably he actually didn't do, did he? And I mean, you kind of look at it and go, well, what would have happened if Cavalero had come on? If he'd come on and actually managed to make a few saves, then then Chelsea might have actually won the won the League Cup. Um, with, with Kepper demanding that he stays on and basically refusing to, to leave the field of play... He, He's put himself under even more pressure in that shootout than he he was already under. Surely, mm. I thought it was interesting afterwards that Vincent Company was being interviewed and he said it was reminding everyone of how Caballero saved three penalties, I think, in the League Cup final a couple of years ago for City, and he was saying, um, "I saw him warming up on the sidelines, and I was getting a bit worried." So, is that psychologically? I think that would have had some sort of effect on the City players themselves that. That they know that the the player coming on is going to probably save a couple of penalties, and the whole mindset changes again. And it's it's a weird situation, but I, I mean, if it, and I think if it happened to us, I'd be I'd be more than perturbed. I think more than perturbed, more than perturbed, whatever the word is for more than perturbed. Blimey, 
in cobblers related news this week Joe Inchifano has moved to Banbury for yet another non-league loan spell just got you there Charles yes you can on Joe young Joe he has moved to Banbury you're right another non-league spell you're right yeah what do you make of a large percentage of vocal cobblers fans on social media being up in arms about him moving to Banbury personally me I I t- I tend to trust the manager and I tend to sort of look at it and go it's not just Keith Curl that has not put him into the first team picture um I, I know he's got a squad number and everything and he has done for the last what maybe two three years but how many managers have we had in that time it's what four five and and none of those five different managers no matter how good or bad those managers were, have actually put him in the same position that Jay Williams and Sean McWilliams have been put in. You know, so clearly the management team and other coaches within the game, people that actually are supposed to know what they're doing because they get paid to do it, obviously don't see him ready for the Football League yet. What else? This has annoyed me this week. Sorry, Neil. You go on. You carry on. I like an annoyed Danny. You go for it. <laughs> if I had a goat, this would have got it this week. <laughs> oh, really hold on, What, a greatest of all time? What? No, an animal, the goat. What? Yeah, I got you. Why you. What are you doing to the goats, Danny? Well, I'm not doing anything. That's probably why someone's come and got it. Good, right, relieved. Relieved. What, what's annoyed you, Danny? It's got my goat this week. Um, people on the Twitter sphere this week, that'll do. Um, it's, uh, it, it annoys me when people get... Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, always when, when people kind of go for this and then you kind of put it to them, who would you replace in the team right now with uh, Joe? I'm just going to call him Joe because none of us can pronounce his name. I um, believe his surname's Dave. Joe Dave. Joe Dave. Yeah. Inchifano. Um, there you go. I've done it. What's your problem? Is it, is Where's it, the end? Where's the end? Inchifano. Well, it's, it's Italian, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, there's Italian. no end in there. How, right, how do the Irish spell Neve? It's like... Well, you just said it was Italian. Siobhan and stuff like that. Yeah, but I'm just saying that people, you know, different countries, different spellings for different sounds. I'm not it's confident. I'm not confident it's got an N in it. It's your far, no. it's your I'm not saying an N. It's, it's your far, no. It's your far. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, no, I don't I don't get the whole uproar about it, really. It's, it's only for another six months. It's, what, it's still 20. It's still got time to to grow and get into the squad and have a summer and whatever under Carl. And Carl's clearly got a plan for him. He's what went down to the fourth tier of the whatever pyramid that is. He's stepping up to the next tier. Nothing wrong with it, I don't think. So there. <laughs> One of the things that I keep seeing is so-called fans in the know or, or basically people that know Joe's parents, they run a restaurant, I think, don't they, in Northampton? And there's certain people on, on Twitter. I think I think so. I'm not 100% sure on that. But What's I, it called? I, I, think, I don't know. They don't sponsor us. So I'm not putting a shout out for them. Um, Fair point. McDonald's. McDonald's. But people... People on on social media, Twitter, seem to sort of be in the know or, or claim to know, you know, the family of Joe, and and they're putting it out there that they believe, and maybe that's just them more than it is Joe, but they believe that he's being mistreated, and I think that then doesn't serve the the, the fan base very well because you're kind of looking at it and going, well, well, is that is that right? And it, it gives maybe a false impression 
you know, I, I can't go and back that theory up. Um, that that person that, that I read, I, you know, I'm not going to just cold call Joe's dad and say, so, so, Mr. Richafano, how, how do you feel <laughs> about the fact that Joe's on loan at a non-league club again and not being given a chance in the first team? I, I don't think that, that serves any great purpose saying things like that. I think surely if he was being mistreated, then he wouldn't be being sent out on loan. Because surely being sent out on loan is good for his development and good for him to get first team experience or be a, a, a much lower level. But if he wasn't being sent out on loan and was just being left to, to rot as such, then, then I could kind of understand the mistreated thing maybe slightly. But I don't really get that with him being sent out to loan. I mean, what, what league are Banbury in? Evo stick something, I think. So what, they're probably... They're at least one level below the conference north slash south. Because I know they originally said, didn't they, that they, they were the, the club were looking to send him to a higher level than he originally was at. And I guess that's the highest level they've been able to get interest for him from, which potentially says says something else as well, doesn't it? That you know you, you can't you can't send him to a, a higher level or you can't send him to a better club if there's no takers for him. Danny, what do you make of the, you know, one of the things that a lot of people say, one of the arguments that a lot of people make is that the lad scores goals at every single club he's been at, at every level he's played at. So therefore, surely he'll score goals in League Two. What What do you think of that? I don't think that's necessarily true. He's obviously scored a lot of goals, which is good for him, good for the lads to, to keep scoring goals in whatever level he's at. I don't think it's necessarily true that it automatically translates to League Two because we've had how many players have we had over the years that we've we've kind of brought up, well, not that many, I suppose, but have gone out on loan and scored a few goals. But then once they've come into the, our team, they've got a bit lost in front of goal. I don't think it's a given. It might be, and it'll be amazing if he does, and if he does come through and start scoring goals next season or something. But Again, I just I don't think it's an, I haven't seen him play at all really, and I don't know where other people have seen him play that has that has seen this lead to striker. And I hope that he does come through. I really do. And but I just don't get all the all the uproar about him going somewhere when he could just be here, sat on the bench, or or just training every week. There's there's nothing really more for him to do this season. I don't think. I think there is something in the. You know, if you score low, if you score lows, if you score goals, um, <laughs> if you score goals at any, at whatever level, if you constantly, you know, you'll score them no matter what level you play. And I think there is something in that in terms of you're either a natural finisher or you're not. Look at, at Sam Hoskins, bless him. He's not a natural finisher and he never will be. Some people are natural finishers and some people aren't. And I think maybe that's what people are, are suggesting with Joe, that he's more of a natural finisher. So it doesn't really matter what level you're at. If you're a natural finisher, you'll still score goals, um, which is kind of true. But there's a difference to the game, isn't there, in in league football to Evo stick, whatever level or conference, whatever whatever level it is. There's a difference in, you know, in pace, quality, strength, probably fitness. And there's, there's a whole host of different things and stuff. So, yes, while he, he still may score goals when he gets the odd chance here or there, I've no doubt he'd miss as well, you know, a fair few, which he'd probably get hammered for eventually by our fan base. But there's there's obviously, he's still obviously got some learning and development to do in terms of, you know, other elements of his play. How many How many goals have you guys seen him score? None. So... 
essentially, we don't know whether all of these goals are, are tap-ins or whether they're 30-yard screamers or, you know, one-on-one situations. We, we don't know, do we, essentially, what type of goal scorer he is? Because one of the things for me, and, and this is me taking, you know, a, a, a guess at basically what... Um, Keith Curl means by he needs to, you know, sort of grow into league football. He's not maybe strong enough for league football. Is that if he's at the moment scoring goals where he basically breezes past defenders, you know, gets the ball sort of, I don't know, 25 yards out, takes on the defender, gets around them, and then smacks it in the back of the net. Well, that's going to be a lot harder to do in League Two because defenders are probably older, wiser, more experienced and will essentially not allow a young whippersnapper to just go past them as easily as maybe happens in in the non-league pyramid. Yeah, I think I think from it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because like you say we've not seen the goals or anything, but I think it doesn't even seem that's the case to me whenever it's been reported that he scored a goal and stuff, it seems to be, you know, more of a striker's goal as opposed to, you know, a beating three players and blasting into the top corner type of goal um which is a little bit different but i guess as you know as you go further up the football pyramid as such you need to have more about your game rather than just finishing you know if you look at our team could we afford to carry someone that doesn't contribute anything to the game but will score you know one in two chances or whatever no we probably couldn't look that that's probably why Andy Williams isn't in favor because he doesn't contribute enough outside of you know scoring the odd goal here or there I just think there's no panic at the moment is there for, I, I think it's, it seems to have sent everything to a bit of a blind panic and I don't I just think for the next couple of months it's not gonna not gonna change much you know in the course of our history if he if he um comes and sits on a bench or if he plays somewhere else it says no, I agree, Danny. I think, you know, there's no rush. Have another look at him in pre-season, I think. No rush with him, is there? Well, in the other piece of news this week was that, and unfortunately, Sean Whaler, who was actually on loan at Banbury as well, uh, suffered a broken leg in the match um, between Banbury and Redditch United um, at the beginning of this week, I think it was, or it might have been Tuesday night. Um, and we we just like to send our best wishes to him, wouldn't we, boys? Yes, we would. Of course, we would, Charles. Uh, let's let's wish him a, a very quick and speedy recovery, and hope he comes back uh, even stronger. Um, yeah, yeah. It's always sort of bad to see a young player suffer such a bad injury, isn't it? And I did. I is one of the players that I did see play in uh, pre-season last year. Has got a lot of potential, and again, probably was doing him some good being out on loan. So it's a shame it's been cut short. So all the best, Mister Whaler. Right, let's get to the action then. Last Saturday, the Cobblers made the trip to Stevenage and came away with a fantastic three points. That's uh, Stevenage making a dog's breakfast again getting the ball clear from their own uh, defence and they've lost possession. And this is Hussins with a real chance. Oh, he plays it across to Powell. One-on-one here, Powell. Real chance for one nil, And he scores! And Joe Powell opens his Cobblers account with a super, super finish. It's a lovely, lovely touch into the back of the net. And the Cobblers take the lead after 18 minutes. Excellent work by Hoskins. He could easily have shot, but he checked out, saw the pass was on, fed the West Ham loney, and Powell kept his head and found a very sweet finish into the bottom right-hand corner of the net to give the Cobblers the advantage here. Uh, chips it to the back post that's a decent delivery headed towards goal and into the net 
and it's Alex Ravel against his former team who equalises. The Cobblers not dealing with chairs curling, hanging cross at the back post, and Ravel got there first to place a header back across the face of the goal to beat David Cornell and give Stevenage parity with 14 minutes of the contest to play. Stevenage won, Northampton won. by Buchanan into the middle third. That's one for Williams to chase. He's going to chase this, but he might get there first. Go on, Andy Williams. Oh, oh he's away. Yeah. Andy Williams through the middle. Can he win it here for the Cobblers? Oh, Williams still going strong. Shoot, son. Shoot. He does, and he scores! Andy Williams has a super, super solo effort. Real determination. Real battling qualities. He held off two defenders, and he pokes it past the keeper to hopefully wrap up three points for Northampton Town and make it consecutive wins in a broad hallway for the Cobblers. That's super work for the former Doncaster Rovers striker. It was uh, very much odds against him to score then but he kept on going, kept on battling and in the end kept his score just to chip the ball over the keeper and restore Northampton Town's lead. Andy Williams loves a last minute winner, doesn't he? He does. Don't we all? I love one as well. I love Who doesn't love, Who doesn't love, love a, good a last, last minute, minute winner? winner? Anyone out there? Tweet us. You can't not love a last-minute winner, can no, you? It's the, you can't. It's the ultimate way to win a football game. <laughs> Even if it's the worst football match in the world, it will then forever be remembered as a great game, won't it? Yeah, because you won in the last minute. Doesn't matter how horrible you well, were. Like Wembley is the prime example, isn't it? John Frame's free kick wasn't the great game, was it? It was an awful game, wasn't it? But it was the greatest yeah. game of all time. Last-minute winners. They should be. A, they there should be a law written into football, shouldn't there? I don't know how it would work. I'm probably it doesn't make any sense. But basically, what I want, basically what I want, you want any every game to finish. With yeah, the last I want more last minute winners. But but then insane. the problem is, then they wouldn't. They'd be the norm, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be as exciting. It's true. Too much of a good thing. Exactly. But what what a win! I was getting a bit excited because we're chasing that record of 23 draws, aren't we? So it was a little bit. You know, if if ever you're going to be disappointed at last minute winner, then that would be it. But. Um, can't be disappointed at that. I don't know. I, I think um, you're right, Danny. I think it was bittersweet, wasn't it? We, we do, <laughs> we do, we do want that record, we're, don't we? We're all, like, we're all there, weren't we? We're, we're, we're there on the, on the group messages saying, "Oh, here we go. This is going to be what that would have been 16, yeah. wasn't it? We're on the road, Re- recording coming. Snatching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great uh, victory, yeah. isn't it? And um, I think it's. Uh, before we dissect the game as such, I think it's worth just giving a little shout out to the the away following. Um, mm. I know Stevenage isn't exactly a massive distance to go, but we took over eight hundred fans there, didn't mm. we? And and they made a good old noise, didn't they? They sure did. It did. There's a bit of a bit of Keith Cole's Barmy Army chant, even. Oh, don't let social media hear you say that. <laughs> I will let social media hear me say that, Charles. And uh, social media can hear me say that. There was a there was a nice new chant as well, wasn't there? Did you did you see that one? Boys? Oh yeah, I didn't hear it, but that's probably because you know when when you when you're not there and you're just listening to it on the radio. Obviously, you, you pick up the well known chants, don't you? Like if you if if there's a huge away following and uh, you, you know you're you're doing well in the game, then obviously the our fans are a lot louder. Same with any club, obviously. But so you can obviously pick up things like, you know, ones you know like Fields of Green, you'll always hear that and and you'll pick it up to his horse. All of the all of the really well known ones you, you pick up, but because obviously I didn't know that this, you know, chant was was ours, I didn't notice it at the time. It was only on Twitter afterwards where I saw that that someone had posted the lyrics to it. 
and had put 1980s Arsenal striker Alan Smith in our goal when we won the league. That was quite entertaining. <laughs> I think we can, we, can, we can call him out. It was Ben Trasley. It was it? Ben Trasley, yeah. <laughs> love, a, love a typo. <laughs> can one of you give us a rendition because I haven't heard this yet? Um, no, Danny, that's not going to happen. Um, what we'll do is we'll get somebody with a much better singing voice than ourselves to record it for next week's podcast. Gareth Gates. G- 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 Gareth Gates. Was that your laptop again, Neil? Yep, that was my laptop. Sorry, seemed to jump a bit there. Gremlins. Um, yeah, I thought I thought the uh, away support was such a, such a vintage joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was very what two thousand and one. We've got seventeen-year-olds listening, thinking, "What is he doing? Who's Gareth Gates?" Oh. <laughs> it's all cobblers to me, guys. Retro. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout out the away support actually, um, just just because I thought they were great, and I thought I know there was a, a, a what can be described as a beer bus. I think uh, went to the game on Saturday, which always helps with the atmosphere. But um, I just thought they they were really good, and it it does make a difference, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it does. I think it's saying something as well, isn't it? Saying saying that we're sorry, Charles, uh, saying that we're what sixteenth in League Two, and we're taking the second highest away following another day. I think it was. Um, behind, I think it was Oldham to Bury, which is obviously a big local derby, and you, you're not going to beat that. But I think it's says something that there's something still there in there with our fans that they still want to go and support the club and still want to go away. And I think it's probably the place to be at the minute away games rather than Sixfields. Well, that's it, isn't it? We 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 seem to be doing much better away from home, and I wonder whether that's because of a, a perceived lack of pressure on the players, perhaps. Yeah, potentially. I think it's it. It they definitely seem to be or enjoying playing away from home more than they do at six fields, don't they? And you're probably right. There's probably something in the pressure thing. And then I think at home you get all the little groans and moans, don't you? When a when a pass is misplaced or when Ash Taylor shoots from fifty yards or or whatever it may be, those groans are are much louder at home, and it's it's a less forgiving crowd, shall we say, than than the away crowd when we're away. Do you think maybe part of it is because when, when you got well, I I can't really answer this question because obviously where I I live, you know, a home game is an away game for me technically. But we, for you guys that that live within a few miles of Sixfields, a home game you you can literally leave home. I mean, Neil, you leave home at like ten to three and you get there just about on time for kickoff. So, you know, you guys kind of just sort of like all it is 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 a couple of hours on a Saturday afternoon for a home match. But for an, an away game, that it's more of a, a whole day out, isn't it? So, you know, you do spend maybe a bit, obviously a bit of time travelling, but then you get there nice and early and you go to the pub for a couple, then you go to the game itself. You know, regardless of win, lose or draw, it, it's maybe just a bit more of an occasion than a home game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's... The away games are they're more fun is is the simple way of of describing it. I'd say uh, you know you you you're with your friends and you're with your the people that you know you want to be with an away game and and you're leaving nice and early like you said you have a couple of drinks and it's a day out and and generally everyone's in relatively high spirits as well and the and the football which sounds this sounds odd I guess but on an away day the, the football is almost secondary. Um, 
yes, that's the reason why you're going away and you're going to watch the team and stuff. But but actually, you're also going going for the day out and 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 for for good times and good fun. Whereas at home, you know, you, you're just turning up for the football. Really, yes, you might get there an hour early or whatever and have a pint in Cars Bar or in one of the pubs and stuff. But it's never quite the same. And and I'd also say as well, also at, at home games, this is probably not going to go down very well. But you, you generally, when you're in the ground, you're around more idiots than than you are at away games. Do, do you think maybe, Danny, that with, with an away game, most of the time, all of the fans are in one stand and are packed into onto one terrace, um, you know, behind the goal. Everybody's in the same place, so therefore, you know, you're more likely to join in with with the singing um, and, and everything else. You know, it kind of momentum builds within the the support, if you like. Whereas at Sixfields or at the PTS Academy Stadium, as we should call it now, um, we've all there's always been that thing of you've got the North Stand and you've got the people that, that position themselves behind the goal. And then you've got the crew at the top end of the, the South End of the West Stand. And they're the two noisiest sections of our support at a home game. And of course, when they go away from home, those two groups come together to form one big group. And, and therefore it's louder. I mean, I, I know it's not nece- necessarily the case that every single person that sits in the North Stand and the Upper upper West at the South End all go to the away games, but, but I bet you a vast majority of those people are our regular away fans. I think a lot of it is like, is what Neil was saying, it's that shared experience of the day, the whole day itself, isn't it? Of, of travelling to the away game, being on the bus together, being on the train together, whatever, however you get there. And you kind of taking the whole day out to watch your team and you, to to a non-football fan it, it seems ridiculous to just go off to the middle of nowhere to watch your 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 team play but when you've got a thousand people or so that have done the same thing and you're like you say they all sort of gathered together there's that shared sense of camaraderie and and all that kind of thing that that will it'll definitely be louder and it'll definitely and you've also got home fans who are who are in the same position that you're saying that we're in at home that they turn up and they're they're sat sort of dotted around the ground as well so you're you're all together and you're you're as one and it kind of feels like you're the underdog no matter who you're playing away and it kind of builds up within that away stand and it's it's inevitably going to be louder isn't it i think there's also something in it unless you're um unless you're morecambe (laughs) (laughs) or old morecambe i think there's also something in it of of the 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 match day experience at Sixfields potentially, or the, or the PTS, whatever whatever you want to call it, because um, I know Sixfields. We'll, Sixfields, we'll stick to Sixfields, yeah. And so there's, there is, you know, I, I think, uh, and yes, there's been some strides made in in the match day experience, and I know that the club had that mystery shopper shopper thing, which from the the uh, EFL, which which came out pretty high and stuff, which is great. But I think for, I think a lot of that is orientated around, you know families and family experience and stuff which is great but i think you obviously get less families going to away games um and you get more more people on a day out or they out going for a drink or whatever and stuff and there's not much incentive to 
to get to Sixfield early, you know, let's say, you know, one o'clock, 12 o'clock or whatever, and have a few drinks and stuff. Cause I mean, the amount of time it takes you to get served in cars bar for starters, you probably only have one drink, no matter what time you turn up and in the ground, it's, it's not the greatest of experiences. Is it, is it, you know, I mean, you can't even pay with card in most of the places in the ground, which is you know, ridiculous. So I, I, I just think there's still some, and that's not, well, I suppose it is to disrespect the club a little bit on that front, actually. And I just think there's some gains to, still to be made on match day experience. Like you go to some away games and some of the, the supporters bars are fantastic and, and they're brilliant. And it, it, Fleetwood being, being one, which I thought was brilliant. It was, it was huge inside loads and loads of different screens and well set up great queuing system for getting served and stuff. And it was brilliant. Um, Plymouth, for example, when the, the season, when we, when we were, when we got promoted, we went down there and we won. Um, me and a few guys drove down actually, and they had a huge marquee, um, good bar in there. They had a, a little band playing and a, and a comedian who it was rubbish, but you know, the thought and the effort was there. Um, I think the comedian's name, the comedian's name was Dave Banana, actually, which says tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> That's not even. <laughs> Where was Julian also? <laughs> it's, it's not even a joke. His name was Dave. Banana. I thought you were going to say um, that it was Michael McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> but that sort of thing and that sort of setup. I, if I was a Plymouth fan, and it was packed as well, by the way. And if I was a Plymouth fan, or if I was a Fleetwood fan, that would definitely, definitely, definitely make me want to get to the ground earlier, have a drink or two with my friends. And, and sort of integrate more with the fan base as opposed to at Sixfield. It doesn't, Carlsbad doesn't make me want to do that. It, it makes me just want to rock up at, you know, 10 to three and get into the ground and watch the game and then, and then get out again. So I think there's definitely some gains the club could make in, in making it, uh, in having a bigger and better supporters bar and a more suitable area. I know we've got, you know, we've got those benches outside and stuff, which has helped, but it's still us. It's it's still always so packed in there and so crammed. It's it's not an enjoyable experience. I think I, just just to just to slightly defend the club, um, maybe not defend, but just point out a couple of a couple of things to what you're saying, Neil. Which is that I, I think at the what what do they call it the the supporters advisory panel meeting or something like that that was held at Sixfields last Thursday. Um, the the card payment issue on the bars on the concourses was brought up to the club, and I think the club have said that they are going to now look into that um, oh, a bit more. So uh, you know, positive steps there. Uh, you're completely it right. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think I, I I do. The last time me and you went, Neil was was you know we actually neither we of us have, had any change, did we? We didn't have cash. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, both trying to pull that one. <laughs> but well, no, normally you're there to pay, Danny. So, you know, the yeah. fact that you weren't <laughs> left me and Neil short. Um, but <laughs> but it, was that, it was that ridiculous moment, wasn't it? We, we literally both, neither of us had any cash. And we were both like, well, we, we'll pay by card. Mm. And we couldn't. We could, like, so, you know, yes, granted, we weren't going to be spending a huge amount of money. But, you know, one pint or, you know, and a pie or whatever and stuff, it would have added up to, you know, 15 quid or whatever. That's still 15 quid that the club could have had that they didn't get because we couldn't pay by card. Yeah, exactly. Um, going back to the Cars Bar and what you said, I completely and utterly agree. I mean, it is so, so small that – and and I, I think that the layout in there is is bad, but I don't think you can necessarily fault the club of now for that. It's it's part of the design of the stadium. So the people that design the stadium, and in fairness to them, 
they built it as a community stadium. They weren't thinking about putting bars in there and, you know, and, and having people basically coming to drink. They were thinking about the family experience, as you said, Neil, before. Um, and you, you know, look, I, I've, I've run pubs, you know, for, for a number of years. Um, you, you couldn't get any more staff behind that bar than there is already there. No. The problem yeah, is, yeah. is that the actual bar isn't big enough. And the fact that you've got those, or, or that one big brick column halfway as well, that doesn't help either. Um, you know, and I would hope that if and when the East Stand is completed and we're not going hey, to start on the East this, Stand. but I would hope <laughs> and wish that they will put in another supporters or they will actually put in a brand new supporters bar at the bottom of it that is three or four times the size of Cars Bar. If they have to close Cars Bar down, you know, and and turn that into something else so that they then put the bar on the other side of the stadium, so be it. But I would hope that they could then make the kind of uh, bar and and, and venue that, that they have at Fleetwood. Which, as you said, Neil, is a fantastic venue. It is. It's, it's brilliant. Could we call it's, it the um, Duncan Spedding Bar? Going back to last week's discussion. <laughs> uh, not. I wouldn't be confident buying a drink in the Duncan Spedding Bar. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to leave it as the grave. Well, Cars Bar, wouldn't you? So it'll, car, it'd just be Cars Bar. Mark. It could be. Yeah. It could. It could just be called Happy Days. <laughs> After Chris Wilder. Yes. That would be good. Well done, Neil. Brilliant. Right, let's actually talk about the match before we're, we're here for oh, hours. Steve, oh, yeah, we won. Yeah, great. <laughs> Go on, um, <laughs> um, Very quickly, the high press actually seemed to work this week. Our first goal, winning the ball back so high up the pitch, definitely led to that opportunity for, and I will say it, Sammy Hoskins to actually see Joe Powell in acres of space and, and for them him to score the goal. It was a really good bit of a build-up. Danny, I'm presuming you're going to want to come in here and rave about your best mate. Well, I don't really want to talk about Neil that much, but <laughs> I will talk about the goal um, just briefly. Um, I think it, it was a... a Amazing assist, as usual, by Sam Hoskins. So unselfish when he could have easily put it in the top corner himself with a little back heel. Um, the way he ran the full length of the field, you know, kicking it past his man, running around the circus in the car park, coming back in time to set up Powell. Just nonchalantly, just stuff of magic, wasn't it? And Powell, who I had a little go at last week, stuck it in the, well, wasn't, was it the corner or was it the, just under the keeper, wasn't it? I thought the keeper could have done a bit better. But, it went um, through the keeper. Through the keeper, um, but yeah, nice, nice to see Powell on the score sheet after I'd uh, wondered what he was going to bring to us last week. Oh, what was it you said on Twitter, Danny? As soon as he'd scored, I said something about his goal gift because his goal gift was lacking. Oh no, I, I, I was Not thinking more about the fact that you know another player that you ranted about went and shut you up. Exactly. Yes, yeah. so I'm just going to rant about everyone this week. <laughs> um, in their term. but yeah, the gift was bad. I thought. It was. It was an. The effort was there, but I, think, I don't know what it was. Doing. I wonder whether we're just a bit too old to sort of get it. <laughs> Speak for yourself, is Charles. It some sort of, um, is it some sort of Fortnite thing? Is it? I don't know. I know. You, I know you're 52 yourself, Charles, but that's Oi. not really an excuse for not getting up with, uh, <laughs> up with social media. I'm not. I'm not sure what he's doing there, but so maybe somebody can. Someone young like Gary can come <laughs> and can uh, tweet us and let us know. 
what, what he was doing. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 so last point on the Stevenage game then. Um, Dino Marmaria, is that how you say his name? Uh, said in his post-match press conference that uh, he could win promotion with Northampton's squad. And I don't know whether to take that as a backhanded compliment or is he just bigging himself up or is he trying to take the pressure off of his players for the defeat, you think? Um, I think the guy is an idiot, Charles. Um, basically. Um I don't really know what the point he was trying to make. I think the point he was trying to make is that we've got a better squad than Stevenage. So, and he's trying to take some pressure off his team or whatever, or whatever and stuff. But it's a bit of a strange thing to say, isn't it? It was, it was that thing of, like say, it was, it was playing the defeat down a bit, wasn't it? By saying, oh, whether well, they were a good squad, they should be higher. If I was in charge, they'd be top of the league kind of thing. And it's just another one of these characters you get in League 2 isn't it for want of a better word part, part of me thinks we should get him in charge for next season so well, go on then <laughs> yeah go on then if you think you could do it any better you do it well mind you Dean Austin said that didn't he <laughs> yeah good point yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to place a bet that he wouldn't uh, get us to promotion me too because he lost against us which and you know we've not been great this season and we're, we're pretty poor so doesn't say too much about Dino Marmalade's tactics and ability as a manager, does it? We've had our we, we've had our fair share of opposition managers this season and in previous seasons, the, the title winning season, for example, um, where opposition managers have basically said either you know derogatory things about us or they've come out with silly comments i'm thinking about obviously michael appleton but um you had keith curl as you say danny um and earlier in the season and we'll we'll talk a little bit about this later but david artell as well after the game um against crew at sixfields i think there's a an element it seems to me there's an element this year of when we when we play opposition teams and opposition managers that they they seem to big up our squad and big up our team a little bit and say, you know, oh, they've got a big budget, you know, they shouldn't be where they are. You know, they're a, a good side. When in reality, we're not. But I guess it's a way of, you know, deflecting attention from their own team, either pre or post game, depending on, on what the situation is and stuff. Just it's a bit more noticeable this year, isn't it? Whereas like you said, Charles, back back in a few years ago, everyone was, was the opposite when we were flying. Everyone was, pretty derogatory about as I say well they're not very good and don't know why they're top and they're not the best team in the league and all that sort of stuff so it's it swings around about a little bit isn't it people talk I guess and a lot of it at the time is just noise and nonsense very much like ourselves <laughs> do you not do you not want though I, I don't often hear one of our managers doing that to the opposition though do you no I get the feeling that Big Keith will start to do that next season. I hope so. I, I, that's one of the reasons why I quite liked it when we signed him. Well, hold on, Big Keith. Big Keith does talk about the opposition, though, doesn't he? Well, yeah, but does he talk about them in a way that that then leads to a headline in in the local rag the next day? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. He tends to kind of focus on you know, the performance first and, and then he might say something along the lines of they stopped us playing or they did this, they did that. But it never feels like it's kind of 
either bigging up the opposition or trying to knock them down a peg or two. No, I think you're right, actually. And just looking at his, Big Keith's pre-game comments for you know the, the upcoming game on Saturday against Crew, he says, we always respect the opposition, uh, but we put a demand on ourselves to go out and put in a performance that we're happy with. We know that Crew can be a dangerous team, but if we perform, we can cause them lots of problems. Home or away, we want to win games, and that's the attitude we have. It's a very middle-of-the-ground, generic sort of soundbitey comment, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. There's well, nothing in there that you'd think, well, that's that's back page news. No, exactly. And, and and that's it. And, you know, it just makes me think, is it because we, I, I don't know, because it's being said about us, do we take these things a bit more personally? You know, it, you know, maybe some of the things that Keith has said has made, you know, the the opposition's local rag as a as a headline, and and the opposition fans have felt the same way as as we do when we see someone like Dino Marmory's comments from from the weekend. Yeah, I think maybe you're right. Maybe we do a bit more sensitive to it because you know we we obviously don't take as much notice of what Keith Carroll's saying about opposition teams as as we do about people saying about us, but. I don't know. Well, I don't think we're that sensitive, are we, about it? I mean, we were the best team in League Two when we got promoted. So no, 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 no. no. You're you're wrong there, Neil. We we weren't the best team. We were the second best. Don't you remember? Oxford had a whole parade around their town. Oh yeah, forgot about that. They actually did have a parade, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> did you? Know? I remember. <laughs> Yay! We came second. Woo! But we were the best team. <laughs> Right, time to take a look at the emails and tweets you've been sending in to us this week. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. It's black and white cat. Excellent. This week on the postbag, we put the questions to our Twitter and Facebook fans again, actually, didn't we? So uh, first up, we have got James on Twitter, who says, Hi, lads. Say hi. Say hi. Hi, hi to James. Oh, hi, James. Hi. Yeah. His question is, why is Andy, Andy Williams never picked in the first team when he has clearly proven to be capable enough? Also, what did you think of Joe Powell's first senior goal? Uh, well, we've talked about Joe's senior goal. Decent finish, but it did go straight through the keeper like he was a, an unstringed tennis racket. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, good, good finish. I, I'm, I'm pleased with the lad, especially after the grief Danny gave him on the podcast last week. Um, and uh, Andy Williams is a funny one for me. Uh, I mean, it's it's a bit of a you know. He, he, am I right in saying he's our top goal scorer now that Van Veen's not here? He is. Yeah, he's got eight, hasn't he? I think. Yeah. So you you know you do wonder. You know, would would you really leave out your your leading scorer and, and barely use him even off the bench? There, I mean, there, there were times, weren't there? Like like last week, we were saying that you know the um, the game against Crawley was crying out for an Andy Williams type character, wasn't it? Far earlier on than and, and probably should have started that game. It, I think it's, it's um it's a funny one. Uh, I think it's it was interesting, wasn't it? That I think Keith Curl touched on it, sort of post the Stevenage game where he said he wants players to be, you know, chomping at the bit and he wants players to to kind of almost prove him wrong and stuff, which is what Andy Williams did on Saturday. And I guess in a way, you know, by leaving him on the bench and bringing him on and he scored, you could say, well, it's good management. I really enjoyed that goal. I did, yeah. The proper strikers 
finish, wasn't it? It was a proper striker's goal, even like, coming from the halfway line and barging off the defender. The defender didn't do great against him, did he? But, neither of them did, did they? Well, th- th- neither of them, but he's, he's gone all the way through and he's, he's got that little bit of experience. He's got that knack in front of the goal. And I'm, I'm enjoying the work of Mr. Williams. And if he can get into double figures, then it'll be a good return, I think. And definitely one to keep hold of. Um, not sure why he's not playing, but the only reason, again, is keep Carl's trying people, trying different people again. But that's the only thing I can think of. Good stuff. hope that answers it, James. If not, tough. Um, <laughs> Matt Nickel on Twitter uh, simply asks us, Leon Constantine, Clive Platt, Ashley Corker, or Kevin Amawanka? What's the question? That's the question, Danny. It's quite clear. Pick one. I mean, I don't like picking one, not knowing what the consequences are. The consequences are that he'll risk. he'll he'll take your answer, and I don't know. No, but I mean, if I pick one, are they going to say you got you've got to go and spend the rest of your life in a desert island with this person, or? Are I you think, saying? I think you, that's unlikely. Which, which person do you prefer as a human being, or are you saying who would you rather face in a fist fight, or are you saying who's the better player? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Let's do it. Who would you rather? I might be overthinking it. To be fair. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little bit. <laughs> who would you rather go and have afternoon tea with? Leon Constantine, Clive Platt, Ashley Corker, or Kevin Amwanka? Clive Platt. I think I think it'd be a good uh, afternoon tea date. He's got a lot of stories. But would you but not feel a bit intimidated because he's massive? I would, but then I don't know. I th- no, uh, I, I'd, I'd get on with Clive. I think. I reckon as well. It's not. I reckon you're probably on along the right track with Leon Constantine or Clive Platt on the basis that they probably wouldn't finish, would they? Their food. So <laughs> there'd be a fair bit, a fair bit <laughs> knocking around. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um I I'd I'd um on on the basis of that being the, the, the scenario, Neil, I I'd I'd go with Leon Constantine. I, I'd quite like to know his thoughts on, on, on his time at the club and you know and, and, and you know what he thought of the fans, you know, reaction to him. Um have you got him lined up? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I'm not. No, I haven't got him lined up. No. <laughs> but out, out of all of them, I think I think he might be the most interesting one to talk to. I would go with Ashley Corker. Really? Yeah. And I'll take a football with me. And say, have you ever seen one of these before? <laughs> I, yeah. I challenge him to a, a one-on-one in the car park. <laughs> And then I'd probably end up throwing cakes at him and running off. So. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Gary on Twitter. Hi, Gary. Um, Gary. Do, Gary, uh, do or did you all play football? Who for? And who out of the three of you was or is the best player? Gary says, follows that up with, I know who I think it is. It's cryptic, isn't it? We need to know who he thinks it is, I think. Interested to know who Gary thinks. If it's not me, Gary, you're dead. I've got a feeling it is you, Neil. I think he's taken a look at our pictures and come to that conclusion that you're the youngest and fittest of the three of us. <laughs> how wrong is he? <laughs> <laughs> Should we tell Gary how many beers I've had tonight? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Charles, do you uh, still play football? 
Uh, I don't anymore, no. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't think what I did you could call playing football, to be honest, <laughs> when I was a kid. I, I So I played uh, for Rawns Tigers. And when I say I played for them, I don't think I ever actually got to start a match or even be oh, a sub Charles, or anything. A, so, yeah. This is a sad, sad story. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, I was never... I, no, I never even got to be a sub. But, you know, hey-ho, one of those things. <laughs> did you used to get... Kids football? Yeah, it's kids football. Did you, used to get, did you used to get the attendance award at the end of the season awards? No, I didn't get anything. <laughs> I, clubsman was, of the year. Clubsman of the year. <laughs> yeah, no, I never got anything, anything at all. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, it's a long time ago and... Uh, yeah, no. Um, oh, sorry, mo- most recently, I feel for you, Charles. Cheers, mate. Mo- most recently, uh, <laughs> I, I I did play a bit of five side when I was in my old job. Um, they used to there was a, an annual charity football tournament, and uh, the uh, you know every every pub would enter a team. So I used to play in that um, one one year bagged eight goals in a single match. That was that was the height of my footballing career, though. But can you do it in League Two, Charles? Also, Charles, what were you doing up there? <laughs> <laughs> Danny, talk us through your, your footballing career. I think I've got a little bit of a piece of Northampton uh, history in that I played for a football club that doesn't exist anymore. It probably existed for about a year. Oh. I played for Kingsthorpe Jets um, into Leisure 97. What a name. Who were, who were obviously formed in 97. And we played in Kingsthorpe, obviously, but I think that they'd just made this new pitch somewhere and we'd, we were the kids who weren't good enough to get into Kingsthorpe Jets and so they'd set up another team for all the, all the rejects and all the, all the people who didn't get in. Like the Renford rejects? Pretty much, yeah. Um, so yeah, played for them for about a year or two and then played some five-a-side a few years ago for a couple of years. Didn't pull up any trees, but had my time. Happy with it. Go on then, Neil. Talk us through your illustrious football career. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call it illustrious, Charles. <laughs> what you should do here, Neil, is actually go, so I, I started off playing in Manchester United's Youth Academy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sadly, that's not true. Um, I played for Parklands Tigers. Uh, big, big club there. Big club, yeah, big club. Uh, then I made a big money transfer to Brixworth Juniors. Um, played for Brixworth Juniors. Played uh, about three games for the Brixworth Senior Team when I was sixteen, and thought this is uh, I don't like this. Um, stopped playing for a couple of years, and then started playing Sundays um, for a team called Howden Beef, which was a, a a play on the. The team Caldenbeath from Scotland. It was for uh, as our work at the time, which was Howden's Joinery. Um, oh, really? Yeah, my dad used to work. Oh, really? Oh, there we go. Um, so yeah, we we formed a team which started off as a seven-a-side team and then turned into a, a Sunday team, um, which actually we ran for about ten years. Um, and then gradually realised when people kept running past me and I was even too slow to kick them uh, that it was probably time to pack it in. So I uh, packed it in and started playing golf instead. So there we go. There we go. Hope that answers Gary's question. So, uh, we just need to know from Gary who he thinks was the, is the better player. A, a big part of me really hopes he's gone for Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think we should test that theory out. I think we should be involved in this charity match coming up. I think we should get on board. Yes, yes. That petition to get us involved in that game so we can go and slide tackle Danny Dyer. <laughs> actually, Danny Dyer is actually the name they gave me when I was playing. <laughs> Fresh from his two-month ban, man at CNA has, has, has pinged as a question. Um, he says, have you heard the story about my cousin, a former cobbler, his mum and my uncle? Uh, yes, I have. Charles, enlighten us. Well, 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 man at CNA, i.e. Phil Garlic, uh, did actually follow that up um, with with a, with another piece of correspondence, which was nice. So uh, settle in for this remarkable story, boys. Uh, so Phil said, um, I was at my uncle's funeral in York on Monday where the vicar surprised me with a story of an ex-cobbler. Back in the 80s, my cousin was playing a youth football match where he mistimed a tackle on an opponent who would go on to play in the Premier League. Apparently, the timing of the tackle was so bad that the injured player's mother literally chased my cousin off the pitch. On seeing this, my late uncle took off after the injured player's mother, (laughs) resulting in a Benny Hill-type chase around the pitch. (laughs) After the service, I asked my cousin who this player was and was delighted to discover it was none other than Marco Gabbiadini. Brilliant. That's amazing. Absolutely brilliant brilliant story, Phil. Thank you very much for that. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad Phil's back. He's redeemed himself, hasn't he, there? If he's going to bring gold like that, then he's welcome every week, isn't he? We'd love to hear more stories like that, wouldn't we? That would be fantastic. If you've got a story that that matches or, or maybe even beats Phil's, Marco Gabbiadini tale, then, then do let us know on, on Twitter at cobblers to me or via email, via email. Um, it's all cobblers at gmail.com. That, that'd be, that'd be lovely. We've also got a, a update from Simon Turner. Do you remember he was, um, he was taking his girlfriend to her first cobblers match. Are they still together? They are still together, Danny. Uh, and his update, (laughs) his update (laughs) is as follows. So, um, He's written into us and said, you asked me to tell you guys how it went, and I'll let you know. It went very well. Um, nice. Her hearing has gone because we were next to the singing section, but that's not a bad thing. The only thing that nearly got me dumped was when I suggested buying her a season ticket. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, Simon says he needed to clarify she actually he needs to clarify that she actually bought the tickets and didn't tell me until his birthday last Saturday. So Aww. happy birthday for last Saturday, Simon. Happy birthday, happy Simon. Birthday, Simon. He also says uh, they, they live in London, so Stevenage was the nearest place. Otherwise, he would, of course, have chosen our glorious hometown. Oh, that's... Uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad that nice went well. Present, I am yeah, too. It's an extra, extra fan for the, for the town. Indeed. The yeah. uh, we'll finish... Um, I do wonder what the singing section is. The, the away end. I presume he means next to the noisy bunch. Uh, final question this week from Steve Tomlin. Uh, he's actually, it's a plea for some advice. More advice. Ooh. Oh, we're, we're, it's like the agony art column. I think, I'm t- oh, dear, dear, it's, it's moving on from Neil's post bag, isn't it? To, to, I don't know, Neil solves your problems. <laughs> it's a catchy Neil title. fixed it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very catchy title. Neil will fix it. Oh, that's no. No. I don't want to be linked to that. No. <laughs> Especially now because Steve's asking us about help with children. This is all. Oh, go on. What is it? Go on then. Right. Steve says, um, 
or Stephen, I should say, sorry, Stephen, uh, Stephen Tomlin, all three of you seem to bring your children to the Cobblers. What's your secret in getting them to the matches? Well, well, first of all, I'm just going to hold my hands up here. And uh, my daughter has yet to attend a men's football match. So um, I'm, I'm kind of going to leave it to you two here um she has a she has gone to a, a a women's game and got bored after the first half so that that was our tester to see whether i could take it to six fields or an away game and uh it, it failed so my there's no secret Stephen. i don't think um i drag them yeah, you could drag them. <laughs> I, I I took mine when they when did I first start? I sort of start first started taking them when they were about four, when they were old enough to to at least sit still and and not be distracted by bits of rubbish flying around or whatever. Um, <laughs> Describe our two thousand one team like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and there's no secret really. I think you know they either enjoy it or they don't enjoy it. Um, I, I've got four children and um my my daughter has no interest in it i take it i took her a few times and she she made it clear pretty quickly that she's got no interest in going so i don't force her to go whereas my my other three are boys and they all love going and whether that's just spending time with me probably unlikely um or, or whether it's 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 the football i don't know but they, they certainly enjoy it and they actually asked to go so i've got no tips for you Stephen, apart from maybe ply them with sweets when they're there and that will make the experience more enjoyable for them. Danny, how did it work for you? Yeah, food food definitely works, doesn't it? I mean, I've uh, been taking Isaac for a good year and a bit now, and he's, he gets high off the sausage rolls at halftime. Um, basically, he, it takes him the whole of second half to finish it, so that distracts him for a bit. But I think he's genuinely interested in it now. And I think another thing would be to go with someone with a child as well, because I've been going with my brother and his um, boy for quite a long time now um, so obviously Isaac's cousin goes so he sits next to him and you, they, they kind of get a lot out of just sitting next to each other and watching the game together and things like that but it all depends on the children really and if they like I said Neil if they're not interested they're not interested and you can't force them to go but um, it's a, it's a, it, I, I recommend it because it's a good you see it through completely different eyes so. oh, it's a good experience isn't it actually I think as well it's worth it's worth taking kids to the to the sort of the family zone in, in the East End and stuff, which is good because they always have some some little games on down there, and you can meet a couple of the players, and you know you can get your face painted, and there's some free fruit knocking around and all that sort of stuff, and a- yeah, 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 there's free fruit down there and stuff. There was, I mean, my kids were amazed. They this was when we just signed Jack Bridge, and then nobody knew who he was or anything, and he was one of the players down there, and the kids were amazed they'd met him, and I was like, I don't even know who he is, boys. <laughs> <laughs> is he good i don't know <laughs> no idea um, but i think things like that helps doesn't it but yeah i think the distraction technique is definitely definitely one plying with food keep them entertained and uh they'll soon get hooked on it cool definitely well um as i said before please do send us in your stories your questions for us anything that you want basically us to ridicule on the podcast uh tweet us at cobblers to me email it's all cobblers at gmail.com we are on facebook as well just search it's all cobblers and while you're online 
why don't you go onto your favorite podcast app, wherever it is you listen to us, whether that's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on all of them. Um, then why don't you hit that subscribe or that follow button, depending on which one it is that your app says. Um, and, and also leave us a, a, a nice five-star review as well. Won't go amiss, will it, boys? We'd quite like to see uh, more people telling me that I'm, I'm loosely in control of this podcast. I'm Chris Hargreaves, and it's all cobblers to me. This week then sees another away trip, this time up to the beautiful county of Cheshire. No, I'm not biased. Where the cobblers take on Crew Alexandra. This week we've enlisted the help of Crew fan Tim Robinson to give us the Crew point of view. So I'm Tim Robinson. I've been a, a Crew fan for 31 years after first being taken to Gresty Road on my 10th birthday, which was uh, in February 1988, a 2-1 home win against Bolton Wanderers in Division 4. In terms of expectations for this season, I think most crew fans would have expected us to stay well away from relegation this year. And although the bookies did have us as one of the candidates for relegation, I think some of the more optimistic crew fans might have even expected a potential playoff push. In terms of how the season's been going, I think you'd probably say it's been a bit of a strange season for the railwaymen. Up until Christmas, crew fans were very miserable. The same old crew weaknesses were rearing their head. But since Christmas, crew have turned the form right around. We did have a stutter most recently on Saturday, losing to Exeter City 2-1. But before that, we hadn't lost since New Year's Day, which was away at Bury. And this run's included six straight home wins and has seen us beat some of the top League Two sides. Um, we've had victories since, uh, since Christmas against Lincoln, uh, Newport, MK Dons, Colchester and Carlisle. So the second half of the season has been a lot more promising. I think it's probably a little bit too late now for a promotion push, but certainly uh, some optimism for Crew fans. In terms of style, Crew do like to play a passing game. They have three central midfielders. Those who come to Gresty Road on, on Saturday will probably see a Crew team with uh, with seven academy kids in the starting lineup: the goalkeeper, the two full-backs, one of the centre-halves, two of the centre midfielders and the left winger all came through the academy, as did uh, at least four of the substitutes that will be uh, lining up on Saturday. The main threat would be Chris Porter, the veteran striker, is a real uh, fox in the box. He's got uh, 10 goals in his last 13 games, and he'll be ably assisted by uh, academy graduate Charlie Kirk, who will play on the left wing, and he'll, uh, he'll cut inside on his right foot to, uh, to score and create. The crew team's been unchanged for the last six games, but after Saturday's defeat against Exeter, there's a good chance that Academy prospects Tommy Lowry and Owen Dale, a midfielder and a winger, they might get a place in the starting lineup. So, in terms of prediction for Saturday, Crew versus Northampton at Gresty Road, my feelings are that Crew, you know, we're on a good run generally at home. But Keith Curl's a good manager, and the Cobblers got a good result at Stevenage with a, with a late winner and are unbeaten in the last three aways so it's going to be a tough game and there's only two places and four points separating the two sides so my prediction a one-all draw thanks for having me on guys good luck and see you Saturday Thanks to Tim for that preview of uh, Crew season to date. Um, the Cobblers are currently on a four-game unbeaten run, and Keith Curl this week has said that he wants us to go undefeated for the rest of the season. So do you think we definitely have a chance to extend that run on Saturday, do you think, guys? I don't know who said that, I don't think. He's jinxed it, hasn't he? He's jinxed it. Does, does he mean he wants to go unbeaten for the entirety of the season, like not just away games? Yeah, undefeated for the rest of the season. That's pretty self-explanatory, Danny. 
Well, I don't know whether he meant just away no, games. No, Danny. He said, he, otherwise, he'd have said undefeated in away games. Oh, all right. Fair enough. He's had these runs before, hasn't he? Um, Curly, I think he was saying he's, yeah, he's had these runs. Um, where he's been at Carlisle and at Notts County, I think, when he's had these massive sort of 20 game unbeaten runs. So it's not beyond him. Um, but the question that I want to know the answer to really is that with, I think, Crew are what, four points ahead of us? Is that right? Yeah. Um, is this a six pointer? It's yes, yes, it is a six pointer. <laughs> Let's satisfy Danny, it is a six pointer. A mid table six pointer. Boom. I tell you what, though, Keith Girl said that, didn't he? He said, you know, I want us to go undefeated for the rest of the season. And some fans still moan. <laughs> yeah, they do. They still they still said, Why is he saying that? Why is he not saying I want us to win every game? Because <laughs> he's realistic. Because <laughs> he's, he's not an idiot. It's not just that though, is it? But I mean the amount you you turn around and go, I want us to win every game. Well of well of course he does. Don't be daft. I mean It's a given, he, right? He doesn't turn around and go, Oh, I want us to you know, win only half of the games that we've got left and therefore I don't mind if we, we lose and you know, however many games we've got left. Let's say it's what is it, about twelve or something like that that we've got left. Let's say he wouldn't turn around and go, Yeah, I, I'd like us to win six and, you know, lose the other six. It doesn't matter. He's not gonna say that, is he? No, I think yeah, I couldn't understand the criticism of it, to be honest. I think and I'm all open and I'm all up for criticism where it's due and stuff, but equally if there's no need to criticize, don't criticize, you know, be be positive. We've just won a game. You know, and he's he's saying the right things, you know, he wants us to go on a run now and he wants us to be undefeated. That's great. Let's do it. If we do end up winning on Saturday, what are we twelve uh what, twelve games left? Well, I, that was a guess. I don't actually know if you I think it is twelve, yeah, I think it is twelve. I don't know where Danny's going with this and I like it. Um I, I just wanna know if we win, just theoretically and we end up the weekend, we're, we're sat, sat here next week and we're nine points off the top seven. Just just, just as, a, as a kind of theoretical thing. We've got 11 games after that and that's 33 points. Is it on? I tell you what, Danny, if we win on Saturday and the results go our way and we're nine points off the playoffs, it's on. Get the bandwagon started, it's on. Wouldn't wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine that. I mean, obviously, it's ridiculously unlikely. But yeah. I'm just after this I'm season, just playing like if we, if we end up in the playoff final in seven <laughs> against the team who have finished fourth, who've got about fifty more and points, promoted, and we end up winning if we won. <laughs> it could happen. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you th- think about it. In in ten years' time, they'll be having like uh, reunions with all the players who the, who basically we've been slating all season, <laughs> and then we make can you imagine the, the playoff final if, it, if, it's, if it's the Cowleys, if it's Lincoln, they they suddenly drop to fourth and we just climb to seventh on the last day of the season, <laughs> and it's Lincoln in the final the playoffs. Ash Taylor with the last minute winner. <laughs> The face of Danny Carroll. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know what? That would make it worth it, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant. But is this a good point, though? And obviously, we're mid-table and we're going to probably end mid-table. And obviously, that's very, very unlikely. But, you know what? We're 12 points off the playoffs and 12 points off relegation. So there's as, as much chance that we could make it into the playoffs as it is that we could get relegated, right? Well, yeah, of course, naturally. 
because you know people are, people still say well i'm still a bit worried about relegation and stuff well, you know that's going to take us to lose more than four games and and two of the teams well macclesfield or Notts county or whoever it may be to to win or, or to accrue more points than us over those four or five games and overtake us and then keep on that curve and stuff which is it's unlikely it's not going to happen really but if people are still worried about relegation and still thinking it's a possibility then the playoffs is still a possibility right I, I love the fact that a couple of weeks ago we were absolutely hammering Tim Oglethorpe for mentioning the word playoffs during match commentary. And now here we are a couple of weeks later going, is it on? <laughs> I'm just asking the question. Well, that's why we're fans, Charles, because we we get, we have the right to change our opinion hourly about whatever. And, and also Oglethorpe, Tim Oglethorpe has endeared himself to me more so recently uh his commentary for for the game on on saturday against stevenage he described the stevenage defense as making a dog's dinner i think it was dog's was breakfast dog's that breakfast. was it dog's breakfast which i thoroughly enjoyed i thought you know that's brilliant so he's, he's back on good terms something that is on or it should be on is our old friend perry ng who plays can't wait through, doesn't he can't wait perry perry ng perry ng so last time out uh, against Crew, we won 2-0 at six fields with goals coming from Andy Williams and Daniel Powell. And David Artell wasn't happy after that match at all, was he? Do you remember us having a bit of a, you know, a, a rant about David Artell's rant in the podcast following that win? I do remember it. Um, he wasn't happy at all, was he? He blamed the ref for lots of things, David Artell. And he, he was some interesting touchline antics as well, wasn't there? I I just remember laughing at the fact that he he was he was right at, at, with one thing, which was the Kevin Van Veen elbow right towards the end of the match. God rest his soul. Definitely got missed, and it, <laughs> <laughs> it you know it definitely happened, and it, he he was right to be annoyed about the fact that that just didn't get picked up whatsoever. Um, but. It was it was our first goal. Do you remember? He he was screaming, or the crew bench was screaming for a foul in the build up to that yeah, goal. I remember. And then even when the goal had gone in, the referee went over to the fourth official. There was a bit of a long chat. It was basically like waiting to basically wait for a VAR to be implemented into League Two. And finally, the the goal was awarded, and David Artel went mad. Absolutely mad because he believed that the fourth official had been telling the referee that it that there had been a foul, and the referee just went, "Well, I didn't see it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an idiot, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I agree, Charles, with everything <laughs> you've said. Good. So, uh, as our crew fan friend Tim said, um, crew have been pretty good um, recently. Um, they've. In their last five games, they've won two, drawn two, and lost one. That defeat coming last week um, in a home game for them. Um, Danny, you had an interesting fact about Crew's home league results, didn't you? So, yeah, I was looking at this earlier, and Crew have got the fourth best home record in the league. Um, apparently. Hold on, is that the interesting fact? Um, that's the interesting fact. Like, yeah, fourth best home record in the whole entire league. And that's that's only about three points off the top. Can I of that. call out that it wasn't um, that interesting? <laughs> it wasn't that interesting. I didn't. To be fair, I didn't put interesting didn't, in front of you're it. You're right. Yeah, Charles has built it up so. into something that it's not. All right, I apologise. It was a fact. Okay, 
So uh, they've got some ex-players, uh, ex-Northampton players, I should say, or rather they've got one ex-cobbler uh, in um, Alex Nichols. So it'll be good to see him again. Um, always had a soft spot for, for Alex, haven't we, as Cobblers fans? Um, and of course, their manager, David Artell, used to play for us as well. Their top goal scorer is Chris Porter. He's on nine goals. And um, as Tim said, he's probably the player to look out for as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's not a bad player, Chris Porter, actually, is he? Um, whenever I've seen him, I've always been relatively impressed. Um, but yeah, you're right. It'll be good to see Alex Nichols again, won't it? Like you said, um, during his spell with us, obviously, with pre-leg break, he was he looked unplayable and he looked absolutely incredible, didn't he? And then, unfortunately, the, the leg break happened and he was never quite the same again. But always endears you a bit more to a player when something like that happens, doesn't it? So we'll take a look at the referee for this week, remembering uh, our friend Rob Dunkley. Um, the referee is Lee Collins, who has refereed 19 matches this season over League One, League Two and one FA Cup game. He's given... He's still the top scorer in League One as well. Who? That's what? Not, it's not Lee Collins. Lee Collins. It's not his name. It's James Collins. <laughs> well done, Daddy. We had Lee Collins as defender, wasn't he? Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, he went to Mansfield like everybody else that leaves. Yeah, it. he did. Yeah, he went to Mansfield. Yeah. Maybe I just need to study my Collins dictionary. <laughs> Uh, so Lee Collins, he's given out 59 yellow cards this season and only one red card. Uh, the last time that he refereed a Cobblers match was the one-all home draw against Morecambe. Um, do you guys actually remember that game at all and maybe Mr Collins's performance? No, um, it was a, well, I vaguely remember it as a, a very dull, a very dull 1-1 uh, they scored in the second half, didn't they? Mm. Uh, and probably could have gone on to win it, actually. But I don't remember the referee having a particularly bad game at all. I don't remember much about the game at all. I think it was one of those ones that I blanked out a little bit. So um, just looking at his stats, you know what? 59 yellow cards and one red card in 19 matches. It's what? It's about three three yellows a game, isn't it? Give or take three or four. So mm-hmm. um, nothing too major there, is there? No, no, nothing major at all there. I mean, it's a, probably a good thing that we can't remember his performance either, isn't it? That last time he refereed us, um, considering the the only ones that we tend to remember are, are terrible referees. Um, so bodes well for Mr. Collins. Um, so let's get our predictions then, as normal. Um, we'll go with we'll go with Danny first. Um, I think we were a bit off form last week to not draw that one. So I'm going for a draw this week. I think we we got pushed off course on our bid for the for the old records. So I'm going for two two high scoring draw. I think Perry and G is going to score an own goal for us as well. Oh right, okay. And who's going to get our other goal? Um, I think it's time that Iron Pierre got a goal, isn't it? Good shout. That's Good shout for a while. Uh, I'm going to go with a... Well, I'm on a streak. As, Careful. <laughs> I got I got our prediction right last week. First one I think I've done all seasons. That's brilliant. I'm going to go for another... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, he is one, he is one. 
<laughs> I think I'm going to go for another 2-1 away win. Um, and uh, goal scorers of this week are going to be uh, Marvin Sordell. I think he's going to get off the mark for us, um, seeing as he's now back fit, which is good to see. Um, and do you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for the 45-yarder the from Ash Ooh. Taylor. He's going to go in this week. Come on, Ashley. There you go. Come on, Ash. Go on then, Neil. What's your prediction? Oh, uh, what, Danny, what did you say? One all or two all? I said two all. Two all. Charles, you've gone two one. Uh, I will go two one to crew. And scoring you our... Pessimist. <laughs> uh, scoring our goal. I, it's the talk of the playoffs that we had earlier. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying feel, to rein it in a yeah, bit. Yeah, you feel like you've got to now just, uh, you know, play it cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, two one crew, uh, and I think scoring our goal will be another for Joe Powell. Lovely. Okay then. Right. Well, that's it. Before we go, uh, just want to say thank you very much for listening. Please do subscribe or follow us on your podcast app. It is completely free. We'd also like you to possibly leave us a five-star review. That would also be lovely. We've been receiving lots of nice messages on Twitter recently. And I, for one, would love to have some of those messages on our podcast pages too. You can view our website. Uh, It is cobblers2me.com. Go check out. All the episodes are on there for you. You can find out a little bit more about me, Danny and Neil, if you really want to. God knows why. Thank you very much for listening. Um, We're all off to find Joe and Giovanno, another non-league club, to go out on loan to once his deal at Banbury ends. Come on, cobblers. We're going streaking. And you later. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.